Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Anthony Alex from the Angry Mailman podcast, and you're listening to another fine show from the From Page to Screen Media Empire. Hey, John. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> I, I would have called you maybe three minutes ago, but overhead, right over my house, flew a sort of big squadron of uh, World War II planes. Oh, really? Which was, yeah, I was in the house. I'm like, I know that engine noise. And, and I just went outside and we saw probably right. about five or six spitfire type looking things flying over, doing smoke trails. <laughs> um because it's it's VE Day over here today, well in Europe, oh yeah, in, in the world in the world, I guess, which signifies the end of World War Two. Right. So there's lots of um, planes and engine noises and stuff going on. Wow, man! So, but that's that's a cool thing to celebrate, you know, the end of war. It is. Although over here on the news, all we've got is the uh, the prime minister elections. That's all the news is. Is nothing about VE Day, which is quite weird. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's all because we've got a bunch of politicians all quitting today. Oh, really? We have, yeah, we had like four. All the leaders of the main parties that didn't win, they're all like resigning one after the other, which is very bizarre. Now, when they resign, does, do you guys have to keep them afloat the way we do our Congress over here? Which to me is stupid, but pretty pretty much. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I don't get it. I mean, like you know, back in the olden days, and I mean, like back when you know George Washington, uh, you know that that whole crowd, they were farmers or they had their own industry to look after. And then once they were done with their term, they went back and looked after themselves because they were real men. We've got a bunch of, um, uh, anyway, I don't, I can't think of an, I can't think of an appropriate way to put what they are, but I mean like, you know, it's like, Hey, I've got it made because I've been elected to Congress and then I can just retire after this. Cause I don't have to do a damn thing because everybody's taxes will keep me afloat. Cause I am a selfish bastard. So, exactly. <laughs> exactly. so how, how the heck are you anyway? On that? Uh, it's a very, very serious. Know, but how are, how's things? <laughs> you know, I'm doing really well, man. The weather is really nice. I really like, um, this season because uh, we didn't have a really heavy amount of pollen coming out of the trees, and it's still you know relatively cool. Like it'll get down into the 50s during the day, and in the afternoon it gets up close to 80. But um, no humidity yet because that's one thing we're plagued with in the summer. And so we just have the windows open, and it's just so nice having that fresh air coming through the house and uh, helps me sleep better at night. So yeah, I mean the atmosphere is awesome. Um, we've been doing the uh, podcast, knocking out two per week and um, so which is kind of crazy because you remember when we started and i was like hey Stuart, help me out how can we get on itunes and you're like hey 
I'll make it happen. And then pretty much the well dried up for a while because it was we lost one of our because we had the tri host thing going on for a little bit. And then, uh, she, uh, got entangled with the project and then Jake, uh, got entangled with life. And then I got entangled with the project. So suddenly there was just nothing. And, um, but now we're back to doing, you know, two or more per week, which we're kind of stoked about. Isn't it weird with podcasting? I find that if you've got a routine, you're fine. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it's Sunday we're recording. Done. Sunday we're recording. But if you get into the habit where you could just record whenever you choose to, you get so (laughs) distracted. I've fallen into that before. That's why the the solo shows I do hardly ever happen because I could do them whenever. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. But, you know, one of the things that really helped us uh, get on uh, schedule, and this is something that Vanel was telling me over and over. It's like, you know, because we stream our podcast live uh, through uh, stream with a dot um you can follow them on twitter and whatever and um but anyway they i mean like i tested meerkat i tested periscope and then uh one of the my friends on twitter said dude you've got to check out stream with a dot so i did and they're the only streaming app that will allow horizontal because jake didn't want to sit on my lap during the podcast needless to say um so and we didn't want people to like get a crick in their neck trying to watch us as we uh you know force the horizontal format on people so um and it was very solid audio and video so we just went with that but the fact that we have people tuning in every monday morning at 9 30 to interact with this uh via stream with a dot that's what got us on track and um luckily our schedules have um you know remained such that we could continue so i mean like every week 9 30 we'd knock out uh two podcasts so it's fun Nice. I've noticed because at one point you would do like episode one and two and then it'd be like a month and then maybe a third <laughs> one would come up. But over the past couple of weeks, yeah. it's like, like seven, eight, nine, ten. And I think, is it 11 that's come up or is it 10? It's it's one of those numbers. So you you've know, been hammering them out pretty well. We are actually, I think, on 15. I would have to check uh, my phone wow. and um, just because it's easier to check on the podcast on the iPhone versus, you know, it's the podcast will post there first through the podcast app and then later on it'll show up on itunes i really don't understand you know um uh what what the deal is because it looks like once it posts everything would branch out and everyone would know so but yeah we're on uh episode 14 which i i, I am i'm just i've just checked on my ipod touch which automatically uploads yep episode 14 f- fizzle fry yep yeah which that's a fun song i just it's like I just didn't have any idea what to call the episode, so we try to be creative, and you know, so it's not just uh, you know, waxing cinematic episode fourteen. We wanted to have something, and it was all left upon my shoulders. So there was a promise song, of course, Rush, YYZ, and then um, and then movies that make us tick, which every episode is what movies make us tick. But anyway, <laughs> yep. you've not used the title, so now you you could right. <laughs> So that's good. Well, I went for a job interview yesterday. You did? Which what was is it, man? Weird. It was, I got the phone call at half past nine in the morning saying, just to confirm, your interview is at 11 o'clock. Yeah. What? I'm sorry, what? It was like 90 minutes after. It's like, <laughs> oh my God. So I had to dig out the suit, get a suit, get to the actual location, did the interview. Um, at the end of the interview, it seemed to be one of those painful interviews where you think, is this guy he's not very good at doing interviews so I, don't, I may help him alone right by the end of it he said yep it's fine we're happy to you know get you to start we'll phone you up at nine o'clock tonight and you can come in and you can you can do like a trial thing and i'm like brilliant <laughs> nine o'clock last night came no phone call oh. so i'm like okay 
So I got up this morning, thought, make sure the phone's with me. Right. Let's um, let's make sure I don't miss it. Right. No phone call. So I thought, there's two things I could do. I can either sit and wait all day for a phone call that might not happen. Right. Or I could phone him up and say, um, where's my phone call right. from last night? So I, I opted for the second one. All right. Well, good for you, man. And I phoned up and I said, um, I came for an interview yesterday and I was told I'd be getting a phone call at nine o'clock last night, but I didn't get one. She said, oh, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. They're still going through everybody they interviewed yesterday because they did lots of them. Right. So it's fine. I'm like, okay. So now I've gone from, yes, I think I got the job to I have no idea. (laughs) So very, very shoddy. interview techniques yeah. the guy had it was uh, it's for a night manager of a hotel weirdly enough oh that's cool so he said you've never done anything like this before i said ah, technically i have because i spent all day speaking to people so right right that's well, not fine. To mention your uh one of the documentaries about ghosts didn't that involve a haunted hotel it did yeah <laughs> yeah it did <laughs> But this, uh, this guy interviewing as well kept referring to me as being involved with the music industry. I went, no, it's not music, it's, fil- it's films. So that yep. should have sent flags waving. So who knows? Right. I may get the job. I may not. It is so. it is funny how people will – because like lots of times you know, they'll get it right. Cause I, and I really do – I wear so many hats during any movie production or TV production or whatever. But you know, I really love directing. I love writing too. But I mean really if there's a, a top job, it's uh, always directing. But yeah, there is um, one person that said that I am a uh, music producer, which – I guess I have, but that's not really my main title. But yeah, it seems I think some people that aren't involved with entertainment at all, they just group it all together and we do radio, you know? <laughs> we do. We do. <laughs> which in essence I guess wouldn't be far from the truth because we do podcasts, which is just, you know, recorded radio, right? How many times have you had to explain to people what a podcast is? I often have to. You know, I guess because I'm a pretty good sized guy. I mean, you know, I, I try to stay somewhat fit. Uh, but I mean, like, you know, I'm six feet tall and I've got really broad shoulders and, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, I, I just kind of carry this presence. And because I declare, like, yeah, I do podcast. And then they're just like, holy shit, I am not asking them what a podcast is, you know? <laughs> so they just kind of roll with it. And I guess they Google it later, you know? And then then they'll, like, there was one actor I was talking to, and, and that was pretty much what happened. You know, I said, yeah, I do this podcast called Waxing Cinematic. And he didn't ask me what it was about, or any, didn't even ask me what it was. And then uh, now he's one of the bigger fans of the show. And he'll, he's one of those people, you know how it is. Like they'll say, oh, I listen to your podcast all the time. And I don't know about you, but I always wonder if they're just blowing smoke or whether it's legit, you know, <laughs> but uh, like Eric DeBell, he was like, yeah, I enjoyed your podcast. I'm like, oh, thanks, man, because he's this actor, very talented guy. But I, I really didn't believe that he was listening. And he was like, yeah, that thing, that part that uh, where Jake was talking about T2 and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, holy shit, man. You do listen. <laughs> I got an email yesterday from a, from an acting agent called, and I've forgotten his surname, but his first name's William. Right. And his first line was, one of my clients is a huge fan of your podcast. Oh, and I'm like, cool. my instant thing was, yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm in that position you are where I'm not sure if William actually listens or his client listens. But right. 
You know, I'm I'm all for smoke being blown. It's fine. Right, right. Well, especially around if it's a group of people, like you walk in, it's like, oh my god, here's John Fouts. He he does whatever, you know. And then everybody's like, oh my god, I gotta I gotta look this dude up on IMDb. I've got to find what he does. So yeah, it's funny how just if if other people will lift you up in that fashion, then it it, it works out, man. Because really, I mean, you know, we've we have to promote what we do, or no one will find it, you know. And you hope that that spark will be there to start that small fire, which will then eventually get to a bonfire, and we can make money off doing podcasts, so that we re- that can be a good source of income. You know, you look at some of those YouTubers that you know make half a million to a million a year, and I think the little kid that uh, gets sent all these cool toys and he plays with them and gives reviews, I think he makes three million a year. So it would be very cool if we could, you know, have that bonfire kind of thing going so that uh, we had sponsors and cool swag to give away and contest and, you know, like Rat and Link or whatever, you know. Hell yes. <laughs> I mean, that is one of the reasons that I'm looking to do the fundraiser that you've been so wonderfully um, helpful with the advice and stuff on to do with the camera equipment. Oh, well, good. It's so I can start doing video content yeah perhaps take it off from there so and that's that, one of the things that i have on the list to ask you about how is that going have you launched it yet the campaign no it's at the minute i'm helping out with the cops and monsters fundraising campaign right. and what i don't like to do i mean there's there's always more than one fundraising campaign going on at the same time right. i think if, if i'm being honest i think it's kind of saturated oh, right. the fundraiser thing i think a lot of people just go oh let's just crowdfund it and then bang they're up and running right um i try not to help with more than one at a time because it gets very confusing right so i've said to cops and monsters i said i'll launch mine as soon as yours finishes theirs finishes on the 31st of may oh awesome uh, which is fine and i i've you know you've seen a draft of the page yeah i i've had to look around for some equipment some of the advice that you gave me i've i've put to one side for now like a tripod right and a camera bag because i already have a small tripod i've already got a camera bag right but i've i've plowed it into um, a digital SLR, right. which you advised on, some spare batteries, some uh, radio mics, mm-hmm. and something called a Tascam. I don't know if they're called Tascams in, in the States, but that's the device that you record the sound onto. Right, right, right. You know, and um, things like that. Uh, let's see here. I can't remember who makes the Zoom, but. Um I'm looking, well, Zoom Corporation, I guess that would make sense. But yeah, that's what we record the podcast on. And that's also what I record audio in the field. And um, it helps so much having, you know, like the boom operator going directly into the Zoom so that he's independent or she, uh, as the case is often, um, you know, versus being tethered to the camera and then people, you know, trying to get through or whatever, you know. so, yeah, so I, I hope that'll work out, you know, well for you. But Tascam's excellent. Uh, we used to record on a Tascam Studio 8, which was an 8-track recorder, and we would do uh, music for the TV shows that uh, we were producing back in the uh, the late 80s. So, yeah. but Tascam, solid, man. That's great. I'd first used one of those on the Paranormal documentary. Uh, oh, yeah? Before that, I'd never even seen one, and I picked it up pretty pretty fast on how you work uh, work those things yeah. and i was quite happy as well the total cost of the equipment is below the minimum amount that you're allowed to do a fundraiser <laughs> for so i'm like at least i'm not shooting for the stars right. i'm not going i want twenty thousand right. dollars so i can buy the best camera in the world uh, right. it came in at 432 pound yeah wow which isn't bad um whereas the minimum you can do a fundraiser for is 500 right so that's 
not too bad. Uh, and obviously, I put the line at the bottom saying any extra money I make will go towards extra memory cards and extra yeah. batteries and you know that's what I think. So right. Fingers I, crossed. I don't even think when I was giving you the, my list of what you probably should get, I don't even know that I put extra batteries on there. But that's I'm glad you thought of that because nothing sucks worse than being in the field and finally you're ready to take that shot and the little battery light starts blinking and yeah. Yeah, especially when I plan on sitting down with film and TV stars. I don't really want to go, eh, sorry, I'm going to have to nip out to the shops and get another battery. You're right. That could be quite quite embarrassing. <laughs> yep, and that's the way it would happen. When you're talking to Joe Schmo, who is very important, but he's the gaffer for the project or best boy or something, you know? And then, you know, which it's, it's interesting, but then here comes the star that will give you the traction with your podcast and video and stuff. And yeah, then, then you've run out of uh, everything that you need. <laughs> the no, in my luck. <laughs> no, in my luck, it'd be Robert Downey Jr. and he'd get up and walk out. So, <laughs> Did you see that you video know. where the dude asked him um, too many personal questions and he was just like, "Yeah, this is shit, man. I'm out of here." Who do you think? I you are? I don't blame him for walking out. I had this conversation on a podcast the other night, and it was that the way I summed it up is. If I arrange an interview with you, John Fouts, to talk about the film you were in called Dirt Cheap Therapy, right. then we talk about Dirt Cheap Therapy. Right. If I arrange an interview with you, John Fouts, to talk about you, John Fouts, then maybe I can delve into areas that aren't to do with the film. Right. So it's that's the main difference, I think. Yeah, I I agree. And that was he tried at one point to bring it back to the movie, and I think the point that this interviewer was trying to get at, and he was just doing it quite feebly and his producer was obviously pretty pissed at him um it was he wanted to get you know the the correlation between you know tony stark being iron man he's an alcoholic or recovering alcoholic and then here's robert Downey jr who was a drug addict and he's you know i mean like a friend of mine used to be um kind of like gregory house from uh house the tv show and he was hooked on oxy and um he was writing his own scripts i mean it was a big mess but he got out of that and he's been a teetotaler ever since and um but yet you know it's still and, and he'll speak publicly about it because he wants everybody who needs help to get help but um i think the interviewer was just trying to get that you know like how much do you draw from your own experience um for tony stark and yeah Downey Jr. was just like, nah, this is shit. I'm out of here. <laughs> and then the, Apparently. the producer was just like shaking his head. He was just like, you know, I'm very sorry, Mr. Mr. Uh, you know, Downey. And anyway, then he, he looked at the interviewer who was just kind of doing the face palm thing, you know, and he and he was you could see in his eyes as soon as the camera was off, he was going to ream him. So <laughs> Apparently, it's not the first time that interviewer has done it either. So no. it, it tends to be a little bit known, but I'm yeah. pretty sure it's the last time he'll be able to sit down with Robert Downey yeah. Jr. So. Well, I mean, you know, if you're um, who was the the lady, and I guess she's still alive, Barbara something, um, who does the big interview. She's really like she's probably a hundred now. Uh, Barbara Walters. Yes, yeah, thanks, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. But it's like you know, and sometimes she'll get get lost in her, you know, like in in her her questioning, and then be like, okay. Scotch tape. No, I have no idea. What the hell am I doing here? And then she'll get it back on track. But at least she's like, she's at least esteemed enough that people will contend with some of her crazy questions that are very personal, you know? Uh, but yeah, some, some other dude who's just a one reporter out of a hundred. Yeah, that's, that's it, man. I mean, we were touching up on podcast as well, and I would kick myself. I didn't mention Anthony Alex. Because- yeah. 
I was listening to episode 209, which I think it's 209 of theirs. Right. And he is, he is stepping back from doing his Angry Mailman show. He's got four more shows, and then he's retiring from it, which was yeah quite sad to hear. I always find it weird when shows that were around before I started podcasting right. finish. Because it's like, how? why am I still going longer than that one? It's kind of weird. Yeah. Well, I guess that's almost like, you know, you and I are seeing a changeover as far as who are, you know, the actors that are playing um, big roles. I mean, like Wolverine, Hugh Jackman's going to step down before too long. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is no longer going to be playing Iron Man after the Civil War series. So, um, you know, a lot we're seeing that kind of replacement, too. But, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, you know, he's a good guy and um, I've enjoyed his podcast and. You know, I, I wish him well. I understand the whole, you know, sometimes it's better just to, you know, uh, resign while you're hot or whatever and, you know, look after family or whatever. So, so it's, uh, yeah, definitely. I do miss recording with him. I used to sort of do lots of movie shows. And then yeah. you think of the shows that aren't around anymore. I mean, Angry Mailman is still around at the present, mm-hmm. but will be, will be vaulting itself away. Vault reviews, gone. Wow. You know, the shows that Big Pimpin used to do. Yeah. Got, gone. You're like, wow, <laughs> crazy. So, so many going and yet, uh, you know, here we are Yeah, still, still doing what we do. Yeah. Well, I think you and I are both fortunate in that our spouses encourage us to do these things. You know, we have their support and not saying that, you know, Anthony didn't have the support of his, uh, wife and family, but I mean, I think a lot of these, um, a lot of these, you know, guys or girls, they don't have the support that they need to, um, carry on with it, you know? Uh, true. I think a lot of it is seen as a hobby, isn't it, rather than sure, you know, some sort of marketing tool or whatever. Right. Well, and two, I think you know people are like, ah, yeah. I mean, who can't record a podcast on your phone? Not that that's the way we do it, but yet, you know, it just you know, uh, you're you're making a, a note to yourself and doing the narcissistic thing of pushing it out there for everybody to listen to. And um, nah, man. I mean, like we take pride in what we do and try to do the best show that we can and. Um, you know, and, and we enjoy it, and we hope to entertain people, you know? Certainly do. I mean, <laughs> by the time this week finishes, I think I'll have done four podcasts this week. Right. So it's uh, now that my internet's back up and running and, and working right. somewhat, it's nice. I can podcast again. I did a, a two-hour show the other day with three filmmakers on it, which was quite nice, all indie filmmakers from the UK. Nice. Um, I'm doing a horror show on Sunday. I'm doing the one with yourself now. Right. And I did another one, which I forgot. Oh, yeah, another one with uh, Fraser from Cops and Monsters at the very beginning of the week. Mm-hmm. So keep keeping busy. Yeah. Keeping busy. And obviously you have brand awareness, you know, which is great. Yes. Yeah. I do. And I'm one follower of having um, 5,900 followers on Twitter. So that's, that's oh, been a productive wow. Thing, so. Man, that's great because I just um, – I think I have – Oh, I want to say like it's just over 2,500 now, which to me yep. was, you know, pretty big because um, for the longest time I just because it, it's, you know, how they come in. It's kind of like in waves. So it's kind of and then there are those that just kind of, uh, hey, I'm going to follow you until you follow me and then I'm going to drop you because I'm only after numbers, which is not yep. the way I do it. I don't know if you follow everybody that follows you, but I mean, I really do. And that way um, I can interact with everybody. You know, they're in my feed and periodically during the day I'll take a little break and I'll look at the feed and see who says you know who's talking about anything and get involved or they can you know direct message me or whatever but you know i just i find that kind of interaction fun 
I'll follow anybody unless it's the spam accounts. You know, the ones right. who have it in their bio going, if you pay me $5, you can have 10,000 right. new followers. <laughs> Those I don't follow. Yep. Anybody who's never tweeted before. Right. But yeah, has like 500 followers. Right. I don't bother with those ones either. But I also use a web page which will go through my account periodically yep. and it will tell me who's unfollowed me. Yeah. Uh, and then I just unfollow them yep. if it's somebody who's just doing it for the numbers. So right. it does take a little bit of maintenance, doesn't it, running a it does. Twitter account? Yeah. Um, yeah, I use an app called Unfollow on the iPhone. And so periodically, if I just have a little time, then yeah, I'll, I'll you know, go through and see. And there's, specific people that I just enjoy following because they share a lot and they're yeah. big names and they don't follow me back and that's fine. They, they follow 150 people and you know, they yeah. have like, I don't know, a million followers. So I get that. But, um, but yeah, man, it's, but it, it's interesting the day and age we live in where we can really promote ourselves so much easier. And I was thinking about the ease of podcasting, um, in that, you know, like on Sunday, we did the special Age of Ultron show, and then um, I edited it hanging out with Jake, and then we posted it, and my internet's really fast. So, I mean, like, literally, you know, within 20 minutes after we had, um, you know, completed the podcast, then it was on Talk Show. Yep. It can go up very, very quick, can't it? Yeah. I'm the same. I can usually get a show up within the hour. Yeah. Um, because I, I put title credits on it and a music track at the end and then i use some software to level the sound right if i put anything else on it because you don't want to deafen somebody with music and then <laughs> right. turn it up to hear you um and then just get it straight onto talk Shoe, which then fires it out onto itunes and all the other stuff yeah. all the other bits and pieces hey so on a tactical note what do you use to edit your shows i use a piece of free software called audacity mm-hmm um, which I remember Harold was one that put me onto that, and I could not get my head around Audacity on day one. I thought, forget it, I can't use it. Right. But it's the most simple piece of software ever, mainly because I know how to use it now. So that's why it's, <laughs> that's why it's simple. But it's, it's a free piece of software, and it is it is just like a timeline editor. Yeah. You go in. Um, I A couple of years ago, I recorded a show with an actor who had a cold, so you could hear him sniff and sneeze. <laughs> periodically throughout this hour show right. and i went in and i cut out every sniffle and all his sneezes <laughs> so when you listen back to the episode you can't tell the guy's got a cold right. so you can just you <laughs> zoom into everything and just you can clip out words right um so it's quite handy on that way yeah. but i generally don't do that much editing anyway because you lose the naturalness right. of the conversation yeah. and i don't want it to become sterile so there's a couple of times where um I think it was the last show that we did where um, we just had this hiccup. And on, I, it's with technology, you never know where it is along the, the you know downstream from you. But whether it was stream with the dot or whether it was our internet, but something would kick um, us off so we were no longer live streaming. And Jake was funny because it was almost – you've seen Bruce Almighty, right? The movie, yeah. So yep. you know, at the end where he's you know finally at the anchor desk, and then it's like power goes off, power goes back on. He's getting frustrated, <laughs> and that was that was what was happening with me and Jake because it was just like you know, fuck, it happened again. So anyway, I had to cut out all those expletives and and try to smooth those sections out, which is fun. So. <laughs> yep. It can be a nightmare. I found it when I was going through the near enough six month period where my internet was terrible. Right. 
I, I wouldn't talk as much on a podcast as normally would because I'm too busy watching and waiting for the damn thing to crash so I can restart right. it. So it was, it really thrills you. It's like trying to have a conversation face to face with somebody right. while you're while you're looking off to your left, waiting for somebody to walk around a corner or something. You're not paying attention <laughs> to whoever you're talking to. So it is nice to be able to uh, pretty much function properly with podcasting. Yeah. So. And I still want to, you know, like anytime you can test your Skype connection and um, and just see if that will work for you. And then we can line you up as a guest on the show because it's we don't have the software to like actually Skype you in and record all that stuff. We would still do it through um, the Zoom. But um, to have your face um, there with ours so that we're all interacting with the stream crowd as we're recording the podcast would be fun and certainly something we haven't done yet. Definitely. Yeah, we shall have to test that at some point. Yeah. Definitely. So what have you been up to anyway? Other than podcasting lots and lots of episodes and watching Avengers Age Voltron. Yeah, yeah. Um I just finished reading Marvel Civil War yesterday. Uh, it's a seven comic book series. And of course it branches off into like a dozen other um comic book series like the punisher i picked that up on free comic book day over the weekend which was cool i don't know i'm assuming free comic book day is a global affair isn't it i believe so yeah. and so um i took uh the, it's all of our kids um and this is you know i'm thankful for this but they all have jobs now so with the exception of the younger two and so it was just you know michelle kate abby and me uh going to the um the comic book store and um we got there a little bit later than we normally do because normally we get there first thing in the morning when the doors open but we uh ate lunch and then went on over and um so lots of really cool it's it, with every year they have more comics that are mainstream versus you know like joe schmo comics that that someone printed out on a uh, copy machine or whatever, you know? And so, um, you know, you're actually able to have an issue of a series that you may want to read, you know, to their current. And then they have different artists and they uh, did some artwork, whatever the kids wanted, including me. I had uh, a Boba Fett uh, piece of, you know, like sketch that they did. And, um, but anyway, I mean, you just stand around and you talk shop with these people. So we were talking the new Star Wars movie um, and they're all geeks. So, you know, we all speak the same language, but the new Star Wars movie and then Age of Ultron and the, uh, one of the artists had just seen Age of Ultron the night before and said it was phenomenal and I guess with the super saturation of all the clips and you know scenes from the movie and all that I just I, I didn't know how much uh, I would be fresh for me you know so I really was a little you know I don't know I guess I wasn't expecting um, Guardians of the Galaxy you know what I mean? And so, uh, but we went on in after we you know, wrapped up at the comic, con, uh, the free comic book day and went to the movies and I was blown away. Have you seen it yet? I haven't. No, it's probably one of those. I'll end up waiting for the Blu-ray or the DVD or something. Right. I do. Li- I do like comic book films, but I'm not one of these. It's like, wow, it's out. I need to see it now. Right. Type thing. And I don't. Yeah, you know, I don't know what size your TV is, but I mean, I don't think you're going to miss anything not seeing it on a big screen. There are some really busy action sequences, and um, whenever you do see the movie, um, we should discuss some of the um, some of the action sequences and. What resonated with um, with Jake and me was the um, there's one building that goes down just like the Twin Towers went down, just collapses in itself. And so we in America are still kind of sensitive to that 
visual. And I don't think that would have the same impact on you, but it would be interesting talking some other movies that maybe, you know, like V for Vendetta, maybe that means more to you than it does to us. Although it's, to me, it's a universal message, but it's interesting how different filmmakers from different parts of the globe will put things in that represent something that, uh, the, you know, 25% of the world will get and others just won't, you know, see it the same way. Yeah, I mean the building collapsing thing. I could imagine British people watching that and going, "Ooh, I bet America doesn't like that clip." You know, that, <laughs> uh, that's that's the sort of feeling that right. we have because you know there were people of all nations and whatnot, obviously mm-hmm. in trade towers mm-hmm. and stuff. But it's predominantly an American right disaster. If that's the really good, if it's a if that's a fat phrase, that wrong, I'm dead. <laughs> but you know, it's it's seen as affecting America more than anybody else. Sure. That one. So yeah. we would go. I bet that's not going to go down well. Right. Um, Jake brought up Clockwork Orange, didn't he, earlier on in the week? He did, yeah. Which I haven't seen that since I was in high school. And I was looking around for my copy. I couldn't find it. It's not on Netflix anymore. And so, um, you know, but it's funny. That is one of those movies that I can remember exactly where I was the first time that I saw it. And um, and it it's it's – I don't even know how to describe it. It is such a different movie, and especially when I was in high school, because um, it was one of those HBO movies. And I was over at my girlfriend's house, and her older brother was just like, "Hey, let's all watch this movie." And thank God her parents weren't around, because I mean, like, it was weird enough seeing the big, uh, you know, the big sex scene uh, just with her brother and sister in the room and their girlfriend. I, it just, I don't know, man. It was, but um, I did enjoy it, and. I can see its influence on so many different movies. Was that the sex scene? It was speeded up on camera. Yes. <laughs> Cause I, I read this morning that was actually shot as a 28 minute uninterrupted <laughs> sex scene. So that's how long this, the actual shot was done. Yep. 28 minutes. So they enjoyed shooting it, I guess. I think some of them did. Um, I think probably some of the cast didn't. Because it was interesting about Clockwork Orange. I thought I'd look up a bunch of trivia or whatever. Oh, cool. Um, Because I first saw that, I think, in 1999 or 98. It was an imported bootleg because we couldn't get it in this country. It wasn't wasn't banned. It was withdrawn by Stanley Kubrick at his own request from 1973. Well, there was some copycat crimes that happened here. There was a, a girl who was raped by two guys who were singing singing in the rain oh. while they were doing it which is you know uh, connected with clockwork orange and then there was another instance where a teenager beat up a small child and the guy who was doing the beating was wearing white overalls a bowler hat and some sort of boots like malcolm mcdowell was wearing right. so stanley kubrick thought a cut of this it's not right, right. so he, he requested that warner withdraw the film and it was only I think it's a year after he died. So in year 2000, Warner released the film. Yeah. Um, people had seen it before, like, yay, Clockwork Orange is back. I can finally watch it legally. Whereas people who had never seen it before ran out in droves to watch it and then went, what? <laughs> this is kind of weird, this film. I don't like it. Right. And didn't really bother with it. So, <laughs> yeah, it was qu- it's quite a notorious title at one point over here in the same way the exorcist was because that was something that wasn't available for many many years until eventually it came out and people who had seen it were like yay the exorcist back out and then people that hadn't seen it were like what this film sucks and it's boring (laughs) so why was the exorcist banned in in the uk they couldn't work out how um how to release it because in the mid 80s there was a big kerfuffle where the video certificates were brought into play right 
Um, so everything had to be certified. Nothing. I mean, in Britain, nothing can be released unrated. You know, you can't put a, whereas in America you can do, you can go, right. oh, that's the, the NC-17 version, that's the unrated one, and they can do it that way. Right. Over here, everything has to have a certificate if it's going to go into a shop. And um, the people who do the classification couldn't quite work out what would need cutting out of the Exorcist to make it suitable for home release. <laughs> and the story goes that Warner were like, well, we don't want it cut. Right. You know, we, we don't want that film cut and they couldn't work out to do it anyway, but eventually it did come out. Yeah. Um over here. Uh Straw Dogs was another one that was banned. There's a lot of films that have been banned over here. We are very we are more touchy upon violence. Right. Whereas the US is more touchy upon sex scenes. Right. Yeah, because um, I know you guys yeah. have had like if they're gonna sell soap, you've got some topless woman using the soap to show you can use the soap, right? Yep. And yep. versus over here, yeah, it's all, you know, it's not even like we rewatched Psycho a while back. I think you and I discussed it, but, you know, it's Blu-ray and I was amazed at there is some nudity in there, even though it's it's slightly out of focus, but it's still very there through the shower curtain. And um, so anyway, but uh, it's interesting how, you know, some things are more acceptable. You guys have nude beaches over there, too, right? Uh, I think there are probably a few, but the weather doesn't really, doesn't really, you know, I don't know many people that go, I'm going to take all my clothes off on right. this beach. The, the beaches are not, you know, there's, there's no Venice beaches or, or Florida beaches over here. Uh, They're guess. pretty much horrible, yeah. scum, scummy, nasty things with seaweed floating around. and New Jersey human beach, then, I guess you're saying. I would, yeah. Let's just go, let's just go with that one. All right. Yep. <laughs> well, for a while there, it was kind of like, you know, you go to the beach down in, you know, from Florida all the way up to North Carolina or whatever. It's like, hey, kids, what'd you find at the beach? Ah, seashell and this and that. You go to New Jersey beach and the joke was like, you know, oh, what'd you get, kids? Ah, syringe and, uh, you know, a little toxic chemical, you know, whatever. So, yeah, it was... Uh, and I, I did go to one beach out in California that it reeked of trash because evidently so many companies dumped their trash into the ocean. Lovely. And um, the currents would just kind of pour it all onto this one beach. And so I, my friends were like, yeah, hey, let's get in the water. I'm like, it smells like a dump, man. I am not going to go get in the water. We don't even have hotel rooms yet. I'm not going to go get in the water and then go for a meeting smelling like shit. You know, it's just not – that's – yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah. I, I was the dude just sitting on the beach all alone. Yep. So yeah. <laughs> but I was ready for the meeting, so <laughs> – I'm not smelling like shit. Uh, no, no. A bonus, I think. Yeah. Or what do you guys call it? Rubbage over there? Rubbish. Uh, yeah, r- rubbish, yeah. garbage, yep. shit. Yeah. Yep. Pretty much any of those yep. fits in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it was interesting hearing Jake talk about Clockwork Orange, and it was uh, some of the trivia was quite, quite interesting. I remember Annette and I went down to London a couple of years back, and I took her on a film location tour yeah. for all these like old films and stuff, Batman Begins and all that sort of stuff. And twenty eight days later, yeah. And one of the locations that we tried to find was the record shop in Clockwork Orange. And I did discover now that that's actually a McDonald's. Oh. So you could go and sit in a McDonald's restaurant and think, this is where Malcolm McDowell was browsing around records. <laughs> so it's, uh, it was quite an interesting tour yeah. around London. That was good. That is cool. Did you post those pictures anywhere online? I did at the time post them on Facebook. I might start posting them again on Twitter, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it was fun. There was, I mean, some were really old. It's like Children of the Damned. We found a church that was used in that. And we took a photo of each of us stood at the location. Yeah. 
Um, so what I did was take Annette there and say, right, this is the clip of the film. Now you're stood in a location, so she could watch the actual bit of the movie right. where she was stood. So it was uh, it was fun. That but is cool. Yeah, good. Yeah. And I, th- I think we ended up finding about eleven or twelve locations. We had twenty eight on the list. Yeah. But you know, London's not small, so there's only so much walking <laughs> we could do. Right. <laughs> but that is cool. So, I've uh, I'm a big Blade Runner fan, and every trip out to LA, I always intend to have enough time to go to the old hotel, and I can't remember the name of the the place. And now it's an like an office building, but you is can, that a Bradbury building? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I even told my cousin uh, the last time I was out there because usually I stay with her, and I I said I really want to make it over there, and she's like, well, you just need to go, and you know, we'll we'll do it and take it in and have some fun. And I just always run out of time. So one of these days, maybe it's when I take Michelle out there and it's more of a uh, vacation versus like a work trip, then uh, I'll have enough time and we can go do the same thing. Because I I just I admire that architecture and that's one of my favorite movies. So that would be kind of cool. Are you excited about the prospect of a Blade Runner 2? At this point, I don't know enough about it. Um, to say any, you know, I, I guess I'm just kind of indifferent at this point. If they would do it right, then that that would be fine. I mean, like I read the original screenplay. Um, one of my first trips out to L.A., I went to the, um, oh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's like the script library. Uh, but it's put together by the um, the arts and sciences. Anyway, the same people that do the Oscars and stuff like that. And so you could just go up and say, Hey, I'd like to read uh, the original script for whatever movie. And it was like a library and you'd go and you know, the, the person would go back and check and then pull out a script and you can't leave with it. You just have to read it there. And of course it's a copy. It's not like, you know, the original marks or anything, but they changed the movie a bit from the script. The script kind of had a much darker ending. Um, So I guess I'm open to different interpretations on what happened in Blade Runner. So therefore, if they do a sequel, then cool. I just, you know, I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting. Because I, I, did you think that Deckard was also a replicant? Or what were your thoughts on that? It depends which version you see, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, the, the DVD box set that I've got, has got five different versions right. of Blade Runner on it. It's crazy. And I've not quite watched them all. Right. I've watched the, the final cut. Right. I've seen the original one with the voiceover and the one without the voiceover. Mm-hmm. And I've not yet watched the work print um to be honest i i have no idea whether he's a replicant or not i've never really put that much thought into it right. going oh is he or isn't he or right you know it's just yeah because it's one of those films I remember when i was growing up i would really want to watch blade runner right. and then i would watch it and go yeah i could appreciate it but eh, it's kind of boring right. and then a couple of months after i got really want to watch blade runner again because i really like it right. it's one of those we- weird films yeah um, I mean, obviously, the older I get, the more I love it. And right. you, just, you could just watch it again and again and again, yeah. not only just for the music, but the way the film's put together. Mm-hmm. The making of is fantastic. Yeah. You've not seen the making of documentary. Yeah. Which is good. And there's that one um, uh, shot that I don't think, you know, I mean, when you watch so many versions of the movie, I, sometimes I can't remember what I saw in the behind the scenes or bonus clips or whether it was in some version of the movie, but. Um, I think uh, the character's name was Gaff, but he was the guy who would make the little um, you know, origami figures and leave them around. And yeah. he pretty much said um, you know, c- something to, to Deckard where it was like, um, you know, you, you've done the work of a man or more than a man or whatever. But there was just like one extra reference that he was probably um, 
you know, a replicant. And then hearing uh, Ridley, Ridley Scott in some interview somewhere along the way, and he said he thought it was obvious from the beginning that he was a replicant. But it, it's still – it's just cool. I mean how many movies nowadays do you watch and then you're like, hey, so what do you think? And then there's debates afterwards because I think so many movies are made today to entertain and you've occupied two hours and it's been a fun ride. But it's like going on a roller coaster. What was your favorite part? I don't know. I mean, it was it was thrilling. It was fast. It was, you know, but like Jake asked me the question about Age of Ultron. What was your favorite scene? And I really didn't have one. I really enjoyed the whole movie. But on the other hand, I, it, what, there wasn't a standout moment in the whole thing. I like some of the banter between um, Quicksilver and Hawkeye. But, you know, other than that, I mean, you know, it was what it was. It was, it was story driven, lots of special effects. I, I enjoyed it. So. But uh, I don't know. And how many other movies, when I stop and think, how many other movies have I seen where I, there wasn't a favorite scene or a favorite action sequence versus have you been watching Daredevil on Netflix? I haven't. No, I actually ended my Netflix um, streaming thing because I've got that many films to watch on disc. Right. <laughs> that I was just never getting around to watching anything on Netflix. So I thought right. I'm going to cancel it for six months yep. and then just start up again and I'll catch up on some of the movies. Yeah. Well, they've got a lot of good TV series coming out that are, you know, um, uh, produced by Netflix. But anyway, but in the first episode alone, um, I could pick out what my favorite scene was in Daredevil. So here's a TV show, um, and I have a favorite scene versus a big movie like Age of Ultron where, I don't know. I mean, like, it was cool, but and I really enjoyed it. I have no qualms with, like, Jake had a few issues with it. Um, you know, some of the editing and pacing, and and I had issue with some of the physics in the opening scene, which I know is stupid, but it's like, <laughs> you know, you know, here's Thor with this two-ton beam hitting people, but yet he doesn't slide as he's, you know. There were just things that I disagreed with, that if I had been the lead animator, I would have made sure that they, it looked like it was believable. And um, But anyway... The thing is, though, with, with Thor, he's from another planet, so he might be able to do different things. Daredevil is a blind lawyer from planet Earth, so right. I would I can see where you're coming at from that. <laughs> it's not like he was like the Hulk, or he'd been right. altered by some sort of radiation or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, he's he's a blind vigilante. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go with that one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> hey, let me. This leads me to a question I meant to ask you a few minutes ago. Um, the more you get into making movies or helping out with it, do you find yourself when you're watching TV and movies that you're being more technical or are you still just because like Michelle has never experienced the making of, you know, like coming on the set and watching, you know, the, the action of production. Um, so she watches from a different point of view than I do. And if I get lost in the story like I did in Daredevil until Foggy became just way too bitchy at one point, um, you know, I'm, I'm totally there. You know, I, I'm that's my world during, you know, while I'm watching it. And I'm not thinking, wow, that must have been a really big set or how did they pull that off or whatever, you know. But I mean, how, how often do you find yourself taking that momentary mental pause and saying, wow. How did they pull that off production-wise? I tend to do that when I'm watching it more than once. So yeah. any film, because I, I seem to find now nowadays I will get more and more filmmakers sending me their films. Can you just watch this, but don't tell anybody you've watched it. I just want to know what you think. <laughs> right. Then I'll write a review up and send it back to them and, and so on. 
And no matter how low budget the film is, or you know, I'm, I'm appreciative that they sent me their film, so I always cut them some slack on that right. one. Right. But I always watch the first viewing purely as a film fan. Nice. And then if I need to go back and analyze it and you know actually dissect it a little bit, then I'll watch it again. But I'm fortunate enough to just be able to switch off that technical thing. Uh, I mean, one of the films that I was involved with, the paranormal documentary, the producer on that said a few weeks back, he said, I'd like to do a screening at your house. So I'd like, you know, I'd like a couple of us to just sit down, right. watch it, and then make notes. Right. And just, you know, we'll discuss it. I said, right, I'll do that. I said, but just bearing in mind, I'm going to watch it as a film fan. So I will watch it the same way that Jewel Public watches it. So if you get any feedback from me, it's not me being involved in the film or whatever. It's right. purely what I think other people will think. Yeah. Um, and he was okay with that. But I can always watch it for the first time purely as a film fan. And then I'll just go back and you know, dissect it after that. Right. That's good though, and that in, that input is uh, vital when you're, you know, you you're you feel like this is almost the final cut of a movie, and you need that kind of viewer versus like um, we were watching Dirt Cheap Therapy one time in the basement, and Dexter had come over, and then I had two uh, music friends to come over, and. Um, so they uh, were critiquing like sound design and stuff, which that really I wanted. I mean, because they both love movies, but that was more the the side of things that I wanted them to comment on. And instead of like, well, that musical cue was too hot, and I can't hear them. You need to raise that up, you know, another three dB or whatever, you know. So, I mean, there's also the danger if you sit people down, especially if you're friends of yours, right? And they said like to critique my film, get to the end credits, like that's amazing. Right. Okay. Right. Well, I want you to critique it. Right. And so that's that's why I find watching that as a film fan. <laughs> right. Also benefits whoever right. is allowing me to watch the film because right. I don't just go, "That's the best film I've ever seen." Right. That's fantastic because it's not really helpful. Right. If I do enjoy it, I will say, "Yep, it's fantastic." However, right. You may get people commenting on this, this, and this. Right. But, uh, so far, I've been uh, I've been okay giving feedback. Yeah. That's quite good. I refer those, you know, like uh, best movie I've ever seen reviews. That's like that. Those are the mom reviews because I think pretty much, with the exception of one film that I made, short film, everything has been just all oh, that's wonderful, John. You know, from my mom, and um, so yeah, and and I, I like the critique where it's, you know, I mean, like, tell me what you really think. Don't don't give me the the cushy mom. I loved it review. So yeah. I did a podcast the other day with Stu Miller and it was the state of cinema. He'd come up with this topic. He messaged me, said, how do you fancy doing a show on this? I'm like, all right. And he brought up the question saying, do you think that film critics can be too honest? Um, and then we sort of compared the way that we review films. He can be very, that film was terrible. What the director was trying to do is this, 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 and so on. Right. Like that. Whereas I said to him, I said, I don't mind. I'll never say that I liked a film if I didn't like it. Right. However, you won't see me write a review talking about the negatives that much. Right. You will see me focusing on the positives. Um, because I've written semi-negative reviews to filmmakers, and they've thanked me for the review, saying that's the best review they've had type thing. So mm -hmm. it's, it seems to be the way that I word it. Um, recently, I did one for a, a hooligan film that came out in Britain, which was fine. And I think the only negative I said was, it's a pity the filmmakers didn't have more money. Right. It's not some. I mean, that wasn't attacking the filmmakers and having a bigger budget. It was right. just saying the film would be better if they had access to more cash. Right. Um, but other than that, it was, you know, I think anybody that makes a film, fair play to them. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It's not easy. Right. <laughs> it is not. And um, the 
when you start trying to increase the budget for, you know, like as you do each movie, you hope to get better. You hope to have a bigger budget. You hope to have a wider, um, you know, array of, um, you know, the, the bigger names involved, bigger cinematographers or bigger cameras. I mean, it's endless, you know, and it's a stepping stone process because someone's not going to give you $3 million after you've done a, you know, a hundred dollar short film. Not unless you're just damn lucky, like, you know, and that has happened. But um, anyway, but yeah, it's <coughs> it is a process. Oh. So what have you been uh, what have you been watching anyway? I finished Gotham, Gotham oh. season one. Yeah. What did you think of the finale? I liked it. Yeah. I have no no issue at all with the entire season. Twenty two episodes. Right. I am more of a fan of these thirteen episodes. Yeah. shows i think because 22 is is quite a lot yeah um, well especially when uh you know like luther and um uh sherlock and you know i mean you you guys more or less leave the um it, it's like up to the creators like okay we're gonna do more or less like sherlock we're gonna do a season of three feature-length films you know what i mean versus i think luther is usually about um nine episodes 12 13 somewhere in there and um yeah it's uh, sometimes uh, you know like arrow is phenomenal so is flash but i mean like you know we're heading up towards you know episode 20 and 22 and um i'm there for the long haul but yeah i agree with you sometimes it is nice just to have a uh, shorter season but going back to gotham i've really enjoyed it there was at one point where i just felt like um cat was just too i, I just felt like she was do, she was a mime that could speak and it bothered me and evidently some of that feedback must have gotten back to you know the the director or whatever and not from me but i think overall i think there was a lot of people that was like you know that's that's a caricature or a parody of cat and then so she kind of grew as a character but that was my only issue and i i quit watching the show at one point and then over the holidays um i just you know, like picked up where I left off and binge watched to catch up. And then I've been watching it um, the following day on Hulu every, you know, after every broadcast. I think it's weird that the one character that show could actually do without is Bruce Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite bizarre, isn't it? Because there was a time there where there was a few episodes where he wasn't even in it and he wasn't really missed because his character really isn't doing that much at the minute. Right. So it's... Uh, you know the penguin. He's amazing. Yeah. He's my favorite character in the actual show. I think. Yeah. And then, what did you think about the uh, the final thing that Bruce found in his dad's office? I'm trying. Oh, not, you, I'm trying not. Yeah, to say yeah, it, yeah. But I mean, like, I thought that was pretty damn cool. You know. You could sort of see it coming, but not in a really predictable way. You're like, yeah. oh, what would be amazing would be if this happened, right. and then you're like, <laughs> oh my god, it's gonna happen, right. and it did. It finished perfectly. Yeah. It was very, very good. <laughs> So it was, uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. So I'm looking forward to Gotham season two coming back yeah. later on in the year, I guess. Have they renewed um, it uh, as word come out? I think they've renewed it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. It's done. It's done quite well. Because you never know. Well. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of like movies. You know, like well, we had a um, you know a five million dollar budget. We made twenty five million dollars the first weekend. The movie is awful. We will not do a sequel. Why, dude? You 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 know you you certainly made your money back and then some. 
why would you not want to do a, a sequel? But the way Hollywood thinks, and it's the same way the networks think. I mean, they're just, you know, unless it performs the way they expect it to, then I never know what's going to be renewed. I mean, yeah. But I, I'm, I hope that one comes back. I've enjoyed watching that. Um, Daredevil was awesome. And, the, you know, the downside of Netflix is that, and it's also the benefit of Netflix, is they, they're like, hey, Happy birthday in advance. Here is the entire season of Daredevil. So you can binge watch it or, um, you know, watch it one per evening or whatever. But, I mean, you, you burn through it. It, it. That was really good. And the fighting was phenomenal as well. So now have you been watching Arrow, The Flash, or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I tried watching Arrow. I got maybe four episodes into it, right. and I just need to push through the first season, which I think we've spoke spoke about before. Yeah. Um, I'm finding season one a little bit of a struggle. Yeah. Um, the Flash, I've not seen. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I only saw the pilot episode of that. Right. So apparently it also got better in the second season. It has, and I really like what Marvel does, connecting the Marvel Cinematic Universe with the television. And so literally it, probably the better episode was right the week before age of ultron hit because what was it, you know like uh they have this character who can see the future and she saw uh quicksilver and scarlet witch and ultron and the potential destruction of the planet and so um so and then we dealt with the aftermath with you know everybody being nervous because once again um you know, uh, bad things, you know, I mean, when you're super strong, you can destroy cities, you know, with a, with a action sequence or a big fight. And, um, which is, you know, all leading to the civil war scenario, which will be, um, in a year, Captain America, um, civil war comes out. So, and I think that's actually going to be a, they're saying that's going to be three movies. Three now. Yeah. Wow. So okay. they keep expanding it, which kind of concerns me. I mean, like it's a, it's a seven comic, uh, book series and granted it does extend into you know like i said i picked up the punisher um civil war uh it's just three issues but um picked that up on free comic book day a buck a piece and so then i should have looked for all of the civil war so i could kind of complete my collection because it's it's interesting finding out more about what it what all is happening you know because you're dealing with such a large group of uh, superheroes um, in the series. It's kind of nice to kind of have a little breakout and see the interaction between Punisher and, and Captain America and stuff like that. Um, but it's going to be so dark. And this was what I was uh, discussing on Twitter the other day. How, uh, like, you know, you look at Lord of the Rings and that was dark. You had some, you know, the, the characters grew and, um, you know, certainly have the big win at the end. But, with comic book movies, overall, even the Punisher had comic book moments. I mean, like comical moments where you know you'd kind of laugh, even though there was destruction, or you know, like the the scene where Thomas Jane is um, fighting the guy through the kitchen or whatever, and there's the uh, the you know music going on in the background and uh, the operatic theme. And anyway, it was still there's some humor in there and civil war is so heavy and dark because it is just like civil war and what we you know dealt with in the states where brother turns against brother you know it's a it's uh, they believe different things and it's just so heavy and i'm wondering how people will react to three um feature films you know like a three cool is what they're calling it um dealing with civil war where all these characters that used to be best buds are now hating on each other 
I mean, that's the danger with this this cinematic universe, isn't it? On one yeah. hand, you're going to get Ant Man, so kids are going to go watch Ant Man. Go, that's amazing. Yeah. I was in um, I was in a, a, a retail store last month, and there was a kid who looked about seven, I think, and he had this Xbox game of Deadpool in his hand, <laughs> and he was like, and he he was saying, "Mom, I want this because he's in, he's in Spider Man. He's one of the Spider Man villains." Right. And his mum went to the counter and she said, is this suitable for him? Even though it's got a big 18 certificate thing on it. Right. And the guy's like, uh, not really. It's not. <laughs> and this kid was like, but it's a Spider-Man person. And he, I want it. And he got quite upset that he couldn't have right. this thing. So when yeah. you've got little kids that have been to see Ant-Man and enjoyed it, right. or Guardians of the Galaxy, right. they could get a bit of a shock if they go into a Civil War, I think. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the funny thing, too, is um, you brought up a good point. You have the kid shows like uh, Spectacular Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man. I can't remember the others. But um, where, you know, there was one episode where Dare, I mean Daredevil, where Deadpool did come in and he was funny, but yet he wasn't really Deadpool. They didn't deal with the other two voices in his head. Um, and, you know, they didn't d- deal with the violent side of him, you know. And so I could see where the kid was like, hey here's this spider-man character and i want to play this game and the game is fun but i mean it is pure deadpool and it's rated uh 17 whatever uh for a reason so yeah but it's the same with daredevil i suppose isn't it yeah i mean people kids see it especially on netflix which is yeah. is even riskier right. but from what i hear it's pretty violent is this netflix dead, uh, daredevil yep uh it is uh, and uh, the fighting sequences are so brutal and uh, you know, I mean, daredevil does have a lot of rage within him. He's ready to clean up hell's kitchen and he is the devil of hell's kitchen. And so, you know, and he's tired of the, you know, the, the people doing all these evil things and getting away with it. So, you know, he goes and he takes them down brutally. And at one point, uh, you know, somebody's set on fire, and I mean, so yeah, I mean, it's very brutal. And another part, this dude is, you know, beat to death, and um, you know, and so yeah, it's. It, but you have comics that you could read, and you know, it's like Marvel used to have Marvel Knights, which you know was more or less for the Punisher and all their very violent fare, and then they had uh, kid friendlier versions that were just Marvel comics, and so it can be kind of misleading where you know you can find the punisher in comics where you know i mean like you know even my youngest could read it you know um and good life lessons and stuff and then there's the marvel knights which uh yeah no way in hell i'd let my kids read it you know <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and it, but yet it's funny to me but i'm an adult you know so <laughs> but it's, it's a it's a risky one for parents out there i think it's and i don't think it's going to get any better is it? it's going to get even more confusing right well and especially you know disney owns marvel so disney wants to make the most money from their uh franchises and so you know you have your more or less your uh, you know your movies like age of ultron and ant-man and stuff like that which is all pg-13 mainly for stylized uh violence but i mean you know you can you know i can't spin webs and i cannot do the acrobatics that spider-man can do so i think my kids understand I, you know, I mean, like, although it's funny, it comes to mind that uh, back after my son um, watched, I think it was the original Spider-Man, he was jumping from like chair to sofa and jumping around the room trying to be Spider-Man. And he did land on his wrist and sprained it. So I guess there is, you know, when you're when you're little, you know, I guess you do have to watch your kids and see what influences them. But yeah. <laughs> 
just definitely crazy sidebar, man. This is this is the way Jake and I do uh, waxing cinematic. We just hop all over the place. So at any point, you need to rein me back in and get me back on that Hot Wheels track, man. <laughs> Feel free. <laughs> Tangent tangents are half the fun, I think. Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, I, I tried to show note routine once, and it's just it can sound very stale, can't it? So it's just yeah, you know. Yeah, definitely. And it's um, funny I, when we're doing the stream with the dot, the live stream, there's times where Jake and I'll get off on a tangent. And the uh, the person – and we have like you know, 50 to 100 viewers per time, right? And um, these people will pop questions up on the screen. And yeah, it's funny how sometimes they have actually kind of steered us back onto the movie track or whatever. But uh, it's entertainment is fun to talk about. Exactly. So now you've made it through all of Breaking Bad, right? Certainly have made it all the way through Breaking Bad and all the way through Better Call Saul. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's another one that I've yet to watch at all, Better Call Saul. But uh, Michelle and I were talking about that since we completed Daredevil, and now we've got back into watching Breaking Bad, although she's seen the whole series. Um, it was kind of like she had seen all of Sons of Anarchy, and then I started watching it with her and enjoyed it and watched it uh, all the way through the final season. Um, I'm to the point in Breaking Bad when you know he, he gets pissed off and he throws the pizza and it goes up on the roof. So yeah, yeah, yeah. he just yep. pulled it off. So that's about where I am uh, in the story, if that tells you anything. It's like season three, episode four. I'm watching Dexter as well, you know, just um, like sometimes with lunch or whatever. But season three, episode three. So it's not like I'm really that far through either of those. No, true. And season three from Breaking Bad is pretty much where it starts to escalate. And then that's when people become addicted to Breaking Bad I think there's this weird thing where people go Breaking Bad you've got to watch you got to watch it right. but the first season is kind of slow yeah and the pilot was awful because, well, to yeah. me, pace-wise, and uh, my son and I, at, I mean, like, friends of mine have been saying for years, you've got to watch Breaking Bad. It is the best TV show out there. And even the ending, they were just like, man, this thing ends, and it's so satisfying, and it's it goes out the way it should have. And unlike so many poor TV shows that either they get canceled early, like you remember that TV show Life on Mars? And I think you yes. guys actually had it before. I think you guys did your own version or whatever, and it probably wound up, you know, being played out uh, as it should have been. But yeah, Life on Mars over here is like, ah, fuck it, cut to the end, you know. And then you're like, wait a minute, we went through all that shit for to to be on a soundstage that was like a spaceship that looked like ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, you're on Mars now. And I'm like, dude, this is ridiculous. Because surely there was more. I don't know. But it just... that. I mean, I'd, I'd heard about that ending. Um, Life on Mars ran. It did it the way that the British TV often does it. It was, right, we've shot all the episodes. Right. We're going to air them. We're doing another season. We're going to air it. End of season two will be the end of the you know the story of Life on Mars. So you're all right. done. And they did it, and there was no spaceships in it. That was purely an American invention. <laughs> there was no planet Mars. Um, the only reference to the title is the David Bowie song that plays Life on Mars, and it's purely because the main character is kind of in a world that he doesn't really recognize. Right, right. Um, you know, like 1970s Britain <laughs> right. it was. But it's if you ever do get a chance to watch the UK one, do watch it. Don't be put off by that awful American remake. <laughs> well, and, and then yeah. what they did, because it was Harvey Cattell, wasn't it, that was yeah. playing one of the roles. Right. The, his character was, was spun off into another show over here called Ashes to Ashes. Oh, really? Which 
Um, pretty much had no connection to Life on Mars other than it was set in the 1980s. Right. And he played the same character he did in the 1970s one, but it was a whole new story. Right. But did tie into a lot of the the mythology of Life on Mars. So, yeah, definitely try and check them out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the America one was not good <laughs> at all. It was just – I felt bad for the – you know, because when you see these people being so excited, it's like, I'm casting as the lead in this TV show. And, um, you know, we hope it will go for years. It's a great storyline. And then for them just to take a big dump right there at the end of the of what could have been really awesome because I was in it. I love I love sci-fi. I, I was So I was into the show and didn't know where they were going. And then it was just like, ah, okay, let's look behind the curtain. There you go. See you later, you know? Yep. <laughs> So erase that one from your mind. All right. um, I'll have a look and see if you can obtain the British one. Because I get it was only like six or eight episodes per season. Yeah. Over here. Oh, and it ran great. for two seasons and then ended rather than was cancelled. Right. And then a couple of years after it came back for three seasons, Ashes to Ashes. So Okay. I'm writing that down so I can yes. find it. And um so do you have Hulu over there? We do not that I know of. I mean, we can tap into it using dodgy little apps on our laptops. Um, right. <laughs> but it's not something that's widely available over here now. There's a uh, a TV series, and I'm just putting that in quotes, but I mean, it's it, it was it reminded me of so many series that you guys come up with where, you know, you have three episodes or four episodes, and there's your season. The story's done, you know? And uh, and so Michelle and I started watching this thing called What Lies Inside. And obviously there is the Dell product placement. It's this tablet, right? But more or less it's the story of the son of this guy who I guess was kind of inspired by Jim Henson. And so this guy, uh, you know, has his own kid's kind of tv show that entertains the world and his slogan was um it's oh what is it? it's the beauty inside that affects the beauty outside or whatever I, I can't remember but anyway um but it has tom hanks's son in it as the lead and he is right at the beginning of episode one his dad dies so he has to deal with um the aftermath and he's kind of lost the kid inside him right and so he's going to cancel the show and um so he goes to the you know like to to the wake and uh the funeral and all that stuff and he discovers these characters really have a life of their own and uh but there's only four episodes and michelle and i watched the final episode and we got to the end and it was very satisfying but it was so good this little short uh, and they were only 12 minutes apiece, so literally you're you're only investing an hour. But um, she was disappointed that that was it. It was over, you know? And uh, But really cool. But it's interesting that someone, either Dell or the the person who created this concept, that they worked together with Dell to get the funding for this thing. Because like I say, he never leaves his little tablet behind, and it's an integral part of the storytelling. And so no doubt that's why they'll probably sponsor the thing but for for you know like independent filmmakers if you can come up with a concept that really so that one of the main characters is the product um then you could probably get the money to to do your do your uh film you know so it's just a different concept i never thought that um that it could be done in that way so profoundly because you get played for uh, paid for you know product implementation and stuff like that but it's based upon you know the minutes that it's used like you sit down and have a coke and coke would pay for you to drink coke versus pepsi or you know something like that so 
I shall have to tell cops and monsters to uh, start using Dell tablets and yeah, iPads and, yeah. and Rolex watches and stuff like that. Yep. There, yep. there was some other movie where um, everybody had an iPad, so all the behind-the-scenes stuff was shot on the iPad, and it was showing how they were looking at storyboards, and they could flip through the script. And I mean, like, I've tried that before. I still prefer paper, um, just because sometimes it's easier just because I have everything indexed, and there's like three different versions of the scripts that are that, that are in a notebook for me as director, and I, I have it like set up in such a fashion that it's just faster for me to, you know, grab a tab, open it up, flip to a specific page. And I know exactly what's going on in a scene, but anyway, but yeah, no doubt Apple, um, really enjoyed having that kind of product endorsement on there and paid heavily and probably gave everybody free swag. So, well, there was the Michael Bay film, the Island, which if you watch that film, that's just got Xbox 360 logos really? <laughs> everywhere. And according to the commentary, it was because Michael Bay needed some extra money to shoot some special effects scenes, but the studio <laughs> went, nope, you've had enough. Right. So he got product placement himself, got the money for it, and he was able to finish the film the way he wanted to. So yeah, yeah it does definitely works. Yeah. Well, somebody, uh, is. I, there was a a script that uh, Dexter had written that I wanted to direct. And um, he had to go back through and rewrite sections of it. Just simply instead of, you know, the, the hero hops in his Jeep Cherokee and drives off. It was the lead character drop, drop, uh, jumps into his SUV and drives off. He grabs a beverage, you know, like a beer versus proclaiming it being a specific beer. So everything had to be generic so that then this other person could go through and highlight all these different things and say, these are all the places that we could have product implementation if you guys are willing to pay for it. And then you have to declare how many screens it's going to show on. Is it going to be overseas? Is it direct to DVD? different price points for everything and then um you know the the money is supposed to come in we didn't take it that far it just got kind of tiring but you know i imagine for the big budgets where you have all these different people working on it then you can just delegate hey go find money through product implementation and do the michael bay thing (laughs) hell yes definitely yep So are you up to date on Game of Thrones? Are you watching Game of Thrones? You know, I have yet to see a single episode. Isn't that crazy? Uh, I've heard great, crazy. Yeah, I've heard great things about it. Vanel uh, has told me since the beginning that we should check it out, and I just never had. I think the kids have seen – now, the older kids, mind you, but I think they're <laughs> yeah. up to date. You know, so yeah, but it's just, I, I guess I watch so much uh, other stuff and then I try to, you know, spend some time reading books and stuff like that. And um, so it just, I, I haven't added that to the list, but probably once this lineup of TV shows, you know, like Arrow, The Flash, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, once they're done for the season, then I'll be looking for some other stuff. And maybe that's something I should put on the list. I think that's the thing is that you've asked if I'm watching Arrow or The Flash and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and I'm not because I'm watching Game of Thrones and <laughs> things right. like that. And yeah. then once I once I finish with those, then maybe I can start on right. The Flash, The Arrow and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. and stuff. So there is, there's too much stuff to watch sometimes. It is, and which I guess is a good thing. Um, I know there's been some years like once um, reality shows got very popular in the United States – it just got to the point where that was all it was on. And I didn't, I mean, we had Dish Network, so we had, I don't know, 200 channels. And it was just all crap. I, I didn't want to watch anything. So, um, you know, but now, luckily, you know, scripted shows are, you know, back being popular. And um, so, yeah, it, it's just nice having some entertainment out there. On, uh, on a previous show, did I mention a TV program called Halt and Catch Fire? 
No. <laughs> That's from AMC, and I've been watching some of those episodes. It's, it's out on DVD in Britain right. pretty, here, pretty soon here. And just think Mad Men, but set in the 1980s about the computer industry. Right. <laughs> that's that's pretty much halt and catch fire um halt and catch fire apparently is a computer command that fries the computer memory no way so that's that's what that means because i'm like what the hell does that title right. mean? it makes no sense whatsoever but at the beginning of the pilot episode it comes up one of these text bar and explains what in fact the title means <laughs> but it's very very good it's really interesting just to see the computer technology from 1983 right um and you're like wow <laughs> i remember those um one of the lead characters he comes out of a cinema screening and he's just watched return of the jedi so instantly you know that it's 1983 oh that is cool so it's, uh, it's a good show yeah. so it is pretty much just mad men but set in the 80s which is, uh, oh, that's is slick. yeah well i'll have to check that out because there there are times i don't know how you feel but i mean there are times when i really do kind of miss the simplistic uh you know 80s you know, I mean, like we had MTV, that was brand new. Um, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't, you know, I mean, we had VCRs, but, and we had cable vision, but I mean, things were so much simpler and there was less distractions and you could get outside more. And I don't know, it's just a, a different layback era. Now it just seems like there's so much that can distract you. Um, and I, I still, now there's a buddy of mine who um, retired from the U.S. Air Force, and he and I have these debates where, you know, I think there's so many uh, signals running through the airwaves. I think it adversely affects us. Now, that's just me and my crazy conspiracy theory. And of course, he's just like, no, there would be no difference if we lived 100 years ago. You would feel no different. You would act no different, other than, you know, uh, we'd be in a different place in time. But, um, but it, it, I don't know, and really, we'll never know how much all these, you know, RF waves going through us all the time adversely affects us. So I don't know where the hell that came from, Stu. <laughs> some, some, it's the radio waves. It's a microwave that's, affecting your brain. That's, that's it. What yep. It <laughs> but, uh, on that state of the cinema show that, that Stu and I were recording, I said I missed the cinema of the eighties, and they're all queuing up. Yeah. See if you would get in, and then when you got into the film, you were so excited because you'd made it into the screening, yep. and the film would come on. You would know virtually nothing about it because right. you've not had everything spoiled on social media. Yeah. Whereas you know nowadays, you know everything about a film before it comes out. I could pro- I could easily convince somebody that I've watched the new Avengers film right. without having even seen it. Yeah. So it's- the one the thing that I was most pleased with with the Avengers Age of Ultron is the fact that pretty much there are some things that you see from near the end of the movie but for the most part everything that's in the trailer every scene because there's like dozens on YouTube um, for the most part it's all from the beginning of the movie which was kind of nice so because I I just figured I was gonna I was taking the kids because they wanted to go and I would enjoy it because it was a family outing but I really didn't have 100% confidence that I would enjoy it as a film have you heard the rumors of this three and a half hour cut that is apparently maybe or whatever coming out uh of age of ultron yes oh you know um it would be interesting same thing with the um days of future past the x-men movie supposedly there was this uh you know a whole understory uh dealing with rogue um that'll add i think just 20 minutes to it but uh going back to the age of ultron thing you know, it's like he shot multiple endings for it um, so that, um, you know, like anyway, w- which would change future movies based upon which characters were available. And um, so it was 
I, you know, I guess in reading comic books, I'm used to, um, you know, like especially X Men because they had so many different timelines and stuff. But I guess you know, in comics, it's a different, you know, artist or different, you know, writer for a series, and it's the same characters you're familiar with, but they've changed a little bit, and you're okay with it. You know, it's more or less like you know, way in the future, we're talking about you know our American mythology, and some of the facts have been changed or whatever, but still, I mean, they're good stories to tell. And um, so I guess we're kind of down with that. But uh, a friend of mine on Twitter was talking about how you know how do you keep up with things and and you know why is there no repercussions for um, you know some of the things that happen in these superhero movies and then you know what keeps some characters around um, and then what uh, then others meet their demise and then they'll show back up you know it's kind of like uh, Fox owns mutants and I put that in quotes for you that you can't see um, so Therefore, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, they were created by man, not Magneto's kids, as they are in the uh, in the, the other uh, the uh, X-Men movies. So there's some things that change anyway, but uh, there's – so there's still some dysfunction in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I guess is my point. Yeah, I mean it's not an easy thing, is it, to try and tie all these things together? Oh, which, yeah. yeah I, and I also think – I was talking to somebody about Avengers, and I said, "Do you really need to have seen all these other Marvel movies?" So we need to see the first Avengers. So well, that makes sense. Don't no, need to see the first one first, right? And he said, and it would benefit if you've seen this one and that one and these two and that right. one. And I think that's where it gets messy because not everybody's going to watch right. every single Marvel thing. And he was on about an episode of The Flash, I believe, uh-huh. which was delayed slightly because it was then on that week, so it could tie it in with the episode of something else right, and it, yeah otherwise and i'm like what happens to these poor sods that watch it on a dvd box set in six months they're gonna be like what what's yeah. going on like, <laughs> when it gets to a point where you need a spreadsheet to work out what you need to watch in which order right it's it does get kind of crazy a little bit well then you know talking about entertainment you don't want to give spoilers right but if you're watching us you know like if you're watching agents of shield um, especially, you know, the episode that aired this week after Age of Ultron in the theater, um, then you find out different things that otherwise you, uh, you know, uh, so in other words, you're spoiled watching Age of Ultron now because you're watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So it's almost like, you know, they just assume you're going to be watching everything. And if I have to find the link and I'll uh, post it for you, but it's funny. One day, uh, Abby was sick and um, she said, I'd, I'd like to watch all the Marvel movies in their correct order. And I was like, cool, let's, let's do that. And I looked it up and it's not just the movies. It's also the short films. Um, sometimes they include the buttons that were, you know, like, uh, that take place in a different time, like the end, uh, the little two minute videos. And then there's agents of shield. So it gets super complicated. And then it's like, you know, which version of Hulk do you pay attention to? And this and that, and uh, it, it's crazy. Um, yep. It's it is a hell of a commitment to try to keep up on everything and not be spoiled. You have to watch it all in the correct order, and yeah, it's kind of like I read the uh, Punisher Civil War series, like say three uh, issues before reading Civil War, the actual series that encompasses everything. So I knew some things were coming up because I'd read um, the Punisher. So you know, it, it where where do you start? Where do you stop? So you don't get spoiled, and you you know. It gets complicated. You're right. It does. 
So at some point, I'll need to look at a spreadsheet and work out <laughs> how to watch my television. Right. <laughs> which is not good. Yeah. So what, what have you got coming up in the next couple of weeks? Um, you know, I'm trying to branch off and do um, some – I've been doing voiceover for years. Uh, it started back a long time ago. There's a friend of mine that had his own recording studio, and anytime any voiceover work would come in, I was just his go-to guy. And it was all like national to international stuff, but it's just the, the stuff that goes under the radar. Unless you're taking a specific course or you know uh, finding a specific company, you're not going to hear my voice. But um, – but and then I started doing characters for uh, Dexter's audio plays and doing some voiceover stuff. Whenever I had projects and they needed uh, voiceover, I would just do it and drop it in. And then if they say, "Oh, but that's you. Who are we getting to do the voiceover?" Then I'd hire somebody else. But for the most part, everybody was happy. So I'm trying to take that to the next level and um, find more voiceover work. And so I've done a voiceover reel. So promoting the living hell out of that. It will be big on my list. I've got um, a couple of meetings dealing with two nations coming up uh, where we're talking budget and uh, <laughs> budget acquisition. And so um, those are probably the two hottest items on my list. And then, of course, Mother's Day coming up. I don't know if you guys do Mother's Day over there. Yeah, ours was. I think we have different times. So it was probably a couple of months ago, I think. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It looks like we could just save a little money and just say Parents' Day. You know, yeah, I don't. They should. Yeah, they should. Yeah, but um, I guess that's you know, other than just you know, looking forward to you know shows and uh, that I enjoy and hanging out with uh, family this weekend and so yeah, it's that. I guess that's it. What about you? Uh, not too much. Um, just more podcasting, more film watching. It tends to. I have to schedule everything I watch. It's crazy. It's like yeah. from. From this moment to Sunday, it'll be nonstop horror films because right. I'll need something to talk about on the horror show. Right. And then once Sunday's out of the way, I won't watch any horror films until the week before I do the next horror show. So I, <laughs> I tend to sort of juggle around my viewing. Right. Um, I'm playing a little bit of Borderlands on the Xbox 360 oh, again. That's, cool. that's my game of choice at the minute. Right. Um, just catching up on TV. I watched the first Hunger Games film. The, yeah. The first Hunger Games, but Mockingjay Part One, right. which I thought was good, yeah. but it was one half of a story, which was kind of annoying. Right. But um, I would rather watch it complete. Yeah. But never mind. <laughs> uh, you did mention it, X Men as well. That extended one is coming out with the rogue stuff in it. Yeah. Um, that's out this summer, I believe, isn't it? I think so. And then um, Jupiter Ascending, I think that's out now. And you know, I get. Sometimes I'll, I'll, you know, get an email from some group, and it's like, you know, hey, watch Jupiter Ascending now. But is it Vudu or uh, some group that will allow me to watch it, almost like renting it through their service, like uh, VOD kind of stuff? Or is it actually going to hit uh, Target, Walmart, and I can actually go buy a Blu-ray? Because sometimes it'll be, you know, weeks in advance you can watch it, and then sometimes it's, you know, like you can watch it on, you know, like Chappie, you could watch it through voodoo while it was in the theater so it's it's a different day and age but yeah but I, i'm looking forward to seeing that as well the movie was fine and um be interesting to see the way it uh really was intended and same thing with the age of ultron i felt like there was uh, and jake agreed that there was another storyline that they cut out altogether. Um, and even I remember uh, with the Punisher, the Thomas Jane Punisher, they did the same thing. And it would be nice to see it the way it was actually, you know, conceived. So, 
Well, apparently Amazon put out emails to their customers saying you can pre-order Age of Ultron. It's a, <laughs> a, a, it's a, it's a longer cut with an alternate ending. Wow. And then apparently those emails and whatnot were pulled and all the links were pulled. So it's there, there's definitely a three-and-a-half-hour cut out there. Jo- Joss Whedon's yeah. said that it was a three-and-a-half-hour cut. Yep. Um, but you know yourself about the filmmaking thing and the screening where there's no way they would show a three-and-a-half-hour right summer blockbuster because it would lose too much money over the couple of weeks that it was at number one or whatever so whether that does in fact come out on uh, on blu-ray and whatnot who knows yeah. plus i think it's not wise to advertise an extended cut when you've got a shorter one in the theater right and i think um, that's which, even been with some of the dvd releases where you know like you could go ahead and buy lord of the rings or wait on the extended cut so why why would you want to buy you know unless you just love the movie you know the theatrical release um you know or there's like you know you could buy the you know blu-ray of the uh the movie or wait on the uber edition which will be out in three months so you know um that's you know and then the lots of times i'll say i'm going to wait on the uber edition and then I just wind up not getting it. <laughs> it escapes my memory. If you're into your documentaries as well, there is a really good one called Electric Boogaloo, the wild untold story of Canon films. Now, have you been a, a, oh, sort of cool. fan of, a fan of 80s movies? You'll be very familiar with Canon films. Pretty much everything with Chuck Norris and Charles Bronson right. came out in the 80s. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really, really funny documentary. Yeah. Uh, so it's not just one of these... They were great. They were wonderful. Right. They were what you've got people on there going. They were crazy. They were nuts, and I don't want to work with them again, and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> it's really, really interesting. It goes into things like Masters of the Universe, Over the Top with Stallone, um, Chuck Norris, Charles Bronson, and Jean Claude Van Damme movies, right. and all sorts. So it's really, really good. I think that is that's available through certain outlets now. Right. Uh, but it comes out in the theatres over here in June, I think it is. But uh, I've already seen it. It's really, really good. Oh, that is awesome. I'll have to check that out because I'm always making that joke about, you know, part two of anything is always, you know, like um, Star Wars part two, Electric Boogaloo. I just, that, I don't I that's <laughs> coming from the 80s. And that's just, I don't know. I, I tag that uh, all the time. So, but I'll have to check so, that out. Yep. Now, there is actually a documentary called Electric Boogaloo. Right. <laughs> Which is good. Yeah. Well, I'll be sure and check it out. And are you looking forward to Jurassic Park coming out and uh, Mad Max? Mad Max, definitely. Yeah. Yep. I'm definitely looking forward to Mad Max. Uh, Jurassic World. I'm not. I'm not not looking forward to it. Right. I'm just sort of like me because I saw the first and the second and the third one on the big screen, and I remember the first one. First one, people were wow, those dinosaurs look real. Right. This is amazing. Now. We've, I think we've kind of lost that. Yeah. How real they could look? They're not gonna. They're not. They're not real dinosaurs. We know they're not real dinosaurs, so we've lost that wow factor. Yeah. They look really impressive because yeah, whatever. We're so used to special effects now. Yeah. So now it's time to get back to stories, or at least that's what I hope. So. It is. I'm becoming <laughs> really fond of these little indie films. I watched one last night called Frozen, which was not the Disney one, right? <laughs> but it was. It was three people stuck on a ski lift. Yeah. That was it. You know, they'd gone up on a ski lift, somebody switched it off, and they'd been stuck there for several days. Yeah. And that was it. Three people on the ski lift, and it was like, that'll do me. That's my type of film. Yeah. No fancy effects. Right. Just three people stuck on a ski lift. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, they maybe Netflix needs to um, branch off and have, like, Netflix Indie. 
and just have all the independent filmmakers who want to find distribution but really don't – I mean like I have friends that have their movies you know, distributed, but yet they're not making any money off of it. But there's a notoriety and there's knowing that people are watching their movie, right, or at least have the opportunity. And I, that would be kind of cool for, to have like Netflix indie and um, – People could just submit their films and then, you know, as long as they weren't just, I don't know. I mean, like, how do you even define a good versus God awful if you're Netflix? So just have them all on there so that people can find your movies and watch it. And maybe, um, you know, that that may start a career. Yeah, it could. There you go. Just copyright that one. Netflix. Yeah, I'll get up. I'll I'll let my people get up with their people. So (laughs) definitely you do that. Yep. Yep. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure again, catching up with you, John. Yeah, man. Nice hanging out with you too. And I shall, uh, once I've watched all the horror films, I'll start accumulating more stuff for us to talk about next time. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. And I will try to find my clockwork orange copy and then maybe we can discuss it further on the next podcast. Definitely. I can rewatch it because I've thankfully legally got the film on DVD. Right. Now that it's over here. <laughs> so that's fantastic. Does that make it e- even more exciting when you're watching Contraband? Uh, yes. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Go- going back in the days when you would watch like a pirated copy of Batman or right. E.T. or whatever, the terrible, terrible quality. Right. But there was something really, really exciting about it. So right. was, uh, <laughs> there is a documentary called Video Nasty's Draconian Days, which I shall try and get to you. And it goes into the dark days when films were banned over here and people were smuggling the, the reels of VHS through luggage and customs and customs <laughs> would seize them. And it, it's very, very interesting. Yeah. I shall uh, I shall try and sort you out with a screener of that one. Okay, that'd be that's, great. Uh, that's very good. Yeah, that is yeah. awesome, man. Well, Stuart, right. great hanging out with you. I hope you have a great weekend. You too. You too. And uh, we shall catch up, catch up with each other very soon, John. Okay. Sounds great. All right. <laughs> All right. Take, take care. All right. Bye.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.